Good morning. Uh, today's reading is from Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 26 to 33. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Thank you, Robert. All right, you've seen a picture of me at 16, but when I was 10 years old, I was at primary school, and every Friday morning we'd uh, get the double-decker bus to Withington Baths. That was the, the local swimming pool, these Edwardian baths, you know, cockroaches, mould, and abandoned band-aids. And my bathers, my swimming trunks, had a drawstring. You know, you pulled it, so I pulled it really tight, and I tied it, and I just automatically did a double dobber because that's what I've been taught to do on my shoelaces. Just a really tight knot. But of course, once that knot got wet, it kind of squidged itself into this completely undoable blob of thread. And I couldn't get it undone, and I'd put my trunks on so tight, I couldn't get them off. So what to do? Well, the sensible thing to do would have been to go to the teacher or the swimming instructor or someone and ask for help. But I was too embarrassed. I was too shy, too fearful, too timid. So I did um, what anyone else in that situation would have done. I patted down my trunks as best as I could and kept them on for the rest of the day. Now, what was it that stopped that shy 10-year-old me from going asking for help, doing the sensible thing? What on earth is going through my head that made wearing soggy bathers for the rest of the day the better option? Well, it was fear. Fear of embarrassment, fear of looking foolish, fear of being ridiculed for not being able to undo my own knot. What would you say to that 10-year-old? What words of advice or encouragement or comfort would you have for him? Well, here's another question. What is it that stops us sharing Jesus? What is it that means we leave here or growth group or get to the end of a podcast or singing a Christian song, utterly convinced that Jesus is worthy of giving up our lives for, convinced that he's the best news ever that everyone needs to know, and yet by the time we're around unbelievers, we settle for keeping quiet, and uh, hope they'll work it out for themselves by osmosis. Well, it's fear, isn't it? Fear of losing out, fear of being ridiculed, being rejected. We've all felt it. Well, today let's look at the encouragement Jesus himself has for us. 
What would Jesus say to us? Four reasons why we don't need to fear. Four reasons we don't need to fear. And there's an outline in your leaflets there. But just first a quick recap. Where we're up to Matthew's gospel is Jesus is sending out his apostles to go and proclaim that in him, God's kingdom, God's good, loving, fair, and glorious rule is near. But he's warning them and warns us that whenever Jesus is proclaimed, there won't just be passive rejection. We'll be actively persecuted, even within families. We just have to know it, know to expect that. And we have to know that God will use it to increase our witness about Jesus, not stop it. The gospel will go out, but we'll suffer persecution because our king suffered persecution. Now, I think when we hear that, we're actually thinking, yeah, well, that's, you know, obviously you're a bit cantankerous and grumpy. But if we're nice enough, if we're engaging enough, if we can relate to our culture well enough, Show, just show love. We can live for Jesus and proclaim Jesus without copying heat. If you think that, though, well, we think we're better than Jesus. And we're not. There will be trouble, but that's okay. It's worth it. So, four reasons uh, we don't need to fear, despite the guarantee of suffering for Jesus. First of all, We're early adopters. First reason not to be afraid is because we're early adopters. Verse 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Uh, Australians generally are very good early adopters of technologies. If you think plasma TVs, solar panels, that kind of thing. When we make Jesus known by living for him and proclaiming him, we're really just being early adopters of what will happen with the gospel in full, in the fullness of time. There will come a time when Jesus returns, when everyone everywhere, all at once, will know, will hear proclaimed, Jesus is king. Jesus' rule and authority is objectively true, And time will run out for those rejecting his rule to change their mind. So if that's you, please look into Jesus and his claims over your life to check out if they're true. And I think what you'll find, well, I know what you'll find along the way, is you'll see Jesus is a good king, a loving king, a much better and more compassionate ruler of you than, well, than you. So Jesus is saying, there's a time when this message about me was hidden, and now there's a brief period where the message is first to go to the Israelites, and that's where the apostles are up to in the context of chapter 10. But now, for us, now we've got the whole gospel message, the gloves are off. The amplifier is cranked up to 11. Get their message out. Shout it from the rooftops. Be wise as serpent and innocent as doves, yes. Not deliberately, unwisely getting people offside on purpose, but still proclaiming publicly. 
I don't know if they're still there. Do you remember the shouty blokes on Rundle Mall? They had placards and they yelled, telling people they were going to hell. What do you make of that? I mean, sure, maybe that got through to someone, and that's a good thing. They were speaking the gospel, and I suppose that's commendable. But for the vast majority, hearing those people shouting, the medium would have masked the message, and so not heard it at all. Or if they heard the message, they'd been put off with it by the way they were giving it, because it, it sounded like they were giving out bad news, not good news. So why is the serpents innocent as doves? But let's not miss it. The normal thing for every disciple of Jesus is to be always leaning to the public profession of our faith, not private. Our culture says faith is a private thing. That's completely wrong. Our faith is primarily to be a public thing. So when Jesus says speak and proclaim there in verse 27, those are command words. Speak and proclaim. And that's, that's what the gospel is made for. The gospel is tailor-made for public proclamation. It's not a secret source. It's a public service announcement. Um, at Trinity Youth on Friday, I had a combined youth, about 160 youth there. Matt Lehman helped illustrate. He was talking on wisdom and folly, and he illustrated it with the Dumb Ways to Die campaign. Have you heard of this? You heard the song? Dumb Ways to Die. Uh, I'll just read you some information. Dumb Ways to Die is the world's most shared public service announcement. Hit the internet in uh, 2012, became viral when things becoming viral as a new thing, launched by Metro Trains in Melbourne to promote rail safety. Uh, Dumb Ways to Die channel on YouTube has now amassed over 334 million views. Made some games as well. They've had 340 million downloads and 6.5 billion unique plays. It's one of the most successful games ever. Over 129 million people have stated they will be safer around trains because of the campaign. So that was a song and games tailor made for public proclamation, and they've been phenomenally successful. Well, could it be? That when we feel bad for not sharing Jesus, part of what's going on for us is that keeping quiet about the gospel just doesn't fit. The gospel isn't just made to make us feel okay. The gospel being shared is in its DNA. See, our message is all about our King Jesus and his laying aside his glory, becoming one of us, Allowing his perfect life to be nailed to the cross so that rebels like you and me can find forgiveness. Be reconciled to God forever. And all of that was done in public with the announcement that this is God's kingdom arriving. And so we, the messengers of that news, are to embody the message. We give up our honor, our comfort, our security in order to proclaim how Jesus brings us eternal honor and comfort and security. So first one is do not fear because we're simply getting in early, proclaiming what life, the universe and everything is really all about, who it's about, where it's all heading, the glory of King Jesus. 
Second reason not to fear persecution by people is because we are instead to fear the right one. Fear the right one. Verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So Jesus is being pretty frank and gives full disclosure that his disciples will face suffering and even death in his name. And yet, what's the worst that can happen, really? Because if we believe in Jesus, we believe he's made us safe and secure for all eternity. He's made it so that death, however sad and unpleasant for us, is just a doorway to an infinitely better existence. Christian funerals are, at heart, joyous occasions, aren't they? It's all about risk perception. At Trinity Youth on Friday, we had a quiz um, about what was less likely to kill you to see how, you know, see how wise we are about risk perception. So let's test you out with a couple of quiz questions. It's a bit morbid, this, but let's go with it. You need to decide which one is less likely to kill you, okay? Falling or choking, which one's less likely to kill you? Hands up if you think falling is less likely to kill you. Hands up if you think choking is less likely to kill you. The answer is choking. You're less likely to die from choking. It's one in two and a half thousand for... Uh, sorry, falling? Did I say falling? Yeah. Anyway, it's choking. Next one. Again, which is less likely to kill you? Sunstroke or electrocution? Which is less likely to kill you? Who thinks sunstroke is less likely to kill you? Who thinks electrocution is less likely to kill you? Fair few of you are sitting on the fence as well. The answer is electrocution is less likely to kill you than sunstroke. It's all about risk perception. Having an eternal perspective on our risk can help free us from fear. We don't need to worry about the ones that can make us suffer and die. Because all they can do is make us suffer and die. That's all they can do. Whereas God is our good and righteous judge. He can gracefully welcome us into heaven or he can justly condemn us to hell. So which fear is primary? In a few weeks, I'm going to a kind of reunion lunch with people I used to work with at the Royal Adelaide. They're a great bunch, and I'm expecting a really nice time. They all know that I left to become a pastor, and they were really nice about it. But going to that lunch, which fear is going to be primary for me in talking about Jesus? Is it going to be fear of not fitting in, of making things awkward, of breaking cultural taboos that faith is just a private thing? Or will my greater fear be, for them and for me, about what we'll say when we stand before God? to give an account of how we've lived our lives. I think going ahead into that lunch, I think the best fear for me would be to be fear standing before God and him saying, do you remember that lunch you went to in July 2023? I gave you loads of opportunities to share Jesus. And you talked about the weather. Again, we need to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. But Jesus 
He's getting right to the very heart of what drives us here, isn't he? Fear. And we don't need to just be brave, just ignore our understandable fear of rejection. We can turn the positive fear of people, of people we know who we get to talk with missing out on the goodness and grace and glory of knowing God. We can fear that positive fear, if you like, of them missing out. Lots of times whilst I've been a pastor, people have asked me if I'm really busy or really tired or really stressed. And thank you for worrying about that. And it's right for all of us to get good rest, pace ourselves. We can't live self-sacrificially if there's nothing left to give, can we? But actually, whenever I get asked that, if I'm really busy or tired or stressed or working too hard, my first thought is always, you know, I've been tired and stressed for things of much less significance. For example, have you ever watched Grand Designs? People with too much money, they make design a house and have it built. And people risk their finances, their marriages. One bloke had a heart attack. They risk their very lives to get some vanity house project built. And all of us, I reckon, we might not have built a house, but I reckon all of us have willingly taken big hits for much less causes than lesser causes than Jesus. I know I've burnt the candle at both ends to please me. So I'm not about to start keeping short accounts with God. I need a right fear of people missing out on peace with God. So it's good to look after our well-being, but we can't afford to wait until it's easy for us to live for Jesus and proclaim him. So don't fear your persecutors. What harm can they do you really? All they can do is make you suffer and die. Let fear for their eternity drive us to speak out instead. Third reason not to fear. I've headed this, I've never met anyone who wasn't important. And that's a quote from Doctor Who. So here's the clip. Important. Nobody important. Blimey, that's amazing. Do you know, in 900 years of time and space, I've never met anyone who wasn't important before. He says, in 900 years of time and space, I've never met anybody who wasn't important before. When we suffer, we look for answers as to why. And when we're suffering for being a Christian and telling people about Jesus, it can be tempting to think it's because God hasn't noticed or doesn't care because we're not important. Or what's happening to us is not important. And if we carry on thinking like that, we'll eventually come to the conclusion, well, I have to treat me as important. I have to look after number one because God isn't. But Jesus, more than anyone, knows how the chaos and the blinding distraction of suffering can skew our perception of how things really are and what God is really like. And he reassures us that we are important to him and he cares for us. Verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. See, God hasn't met a sparrow he didn't think was important, let alone 
a human being is created in his own image, let alone a child of God charged with the task of telling the good news about Jesus. We are important to him. But we might think to ourselves, Lord, it's so hard to just to get Jesus a hearing, let alone have him accepted. You know, our friends and family and colleagues, they've got enough to distract them till kingdom come. They haven't even given God a passing thought, never mind rejected him. Doesn't God know how hard it is? Doesn't he know how inept and shy and bad at communication I am? And yet he expects me to shout the gospel from the rooftops? Doesn't he care? Jesus says, yes, he knows. He knows better than we do. Jesus says, yes, he cares. He cares about these people more than we do. And yet this is the plan. This is the way. This is God's plan. It's from God, so it must be a good plan. It must be the best plan. So we need to trust him with it. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Finally, don't be afraid of persecution because God gives us full recognition for standing up for Jesus. God gives us full recognition for standing up for Jesus. I've headed this I'm a big deal around here. If you've not seen the movie Anchorman, let me introduce you to uh, sort of comic character Ron Burgundy. He's kind of a vain, conceited news anchorman who really does expect recognition. His clip. Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) I'm a big deal. Don't you know who I am? We love to poke people at vain, conceited people like that, don't we? Who think they're a big deal. And yet, we all want to be noticed at some level, don't we? We all want to be seen as at least a little bit significant in some way. And Jesus has warned us that following him and proclaiming him is going to bring us shame, not honor. We're going to be sidelined, not headlined. So we might be made to feel like nobody's in the here and now. Of course, we don't fit in with our world. But we don't need to go and make a name for ourselves. We don't need to go and make a name for ourselves. We don't need to be important because Jesus says we're already important right now. We're already recognized right now and will be in eternity. Verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Our standing up to tell people about Jesus matters most to the one who matters the most.
As we acknowledge him, Jesus acknowledges us before God. So I wonder what kind of thing Jesus is saying about us before the Father. Maybe things like, check, check this one out. This one's in Woodcroft, in Australia. I know Australia, tough gig, right? Oh, it's hard soil there. Everyone in Australia, they already think they're a big deal. But this one at Trinity Church, Woodcroft, when someone asked them about their weekend, they got into talking about how they'd gone to church. That one over there, he, he told their friends, his friends that they had a brilliant time at Trinity Youth. That one got mocked as stupid and unscientific for believing in us. But they smiled and endured and still managed to get a bit of the gospel out. I reckon we'll give them some more opportunities. Acknowledging Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour will socially sideline us. We will lose friends and influence in this world. But the ones whose opinion really matters will recognise us. He will acknowledge us before the Father. Jesus makes a big deal of us letting others know that Jesus is a big deal. Because doing that, holding out the gospel, is holding out words of life, eternal life, even if they're not always gratefully received. What greater honor is there than Jesus acknowledging us to the Father? To sum up then, just briefly sum up the four reasons not to fear. Of course we have fears. We're destined to suffer for the Jesus, but the gospel message is too important to be crowded out by our fears. What would you say to that 10-year-old me who wouldn't get his swimming trunks cord cut? What would you say to a fellow believer too fearful to talk openly about Jesus? The answer is not just to be brave, but to confront those fears with Jesus' own reason. Don't fear because the gospel is a public announcement tailor-made for being proclaimed and we're just getting in there early before it's too late to be saved. Do not fear because the worst anyone can do is kill us. They can't send us to hell. But our speaking out about Jesus might just be part of what saves them. Do not fear because God knows everything about what is going on for us and he cares and he's in control. And do not fear because Jesus acknowledges us before the Father as we acknowledge him to others. None of it goes unnoticed. God is pleased with it. He cares about it. He's there to help us, and he's in control of it. So do not be afraid. Let's pray. Lord God, it's your plan to have the good news about Jesus shared by us. So we pray now for our unique network of friends, relations, neighbors, colleagues, the people you've put in our lives that you've made us the missionaries too. Lord, we expect some pushback. We expect some being sidelined and even persecuted. Help us to endure that. Thank you that you know about it, you care about it, and you'll work it for your good. Help us to endure. Help us to not fear. 
for all the reasons Jesus has given us, help us to not fear and speak out. Please give us the words to say and the courage to say them. Amen.